Well, welcome to the podcast. Yes, here's your host, Rob Elliott, and we've got another amazing guest. Yes, he's from Louisiana in the USA. He is a CPA. He's an ontological coach, and he looks after businesses and teaches them all about the importance of having a process. I mean, a lot of us are very good at one thing or another, but without a process and without the strategies behind your business, which is like the skeleton, your business can fall over. And so many people, while we've come out of COVID, sort of forgotten that, and everyone's been talking to me about it. So, Kerry Brigion from Louisiana, welcome, mate. How are you? Yes, sir. Thank you. Uh, glad to be on your show. Thanks for having me, Robert. Mate, no worries. So, uh, what part of Louisiana do you live in? Uh, Baton Rouge, the state capital, home of the LSU Tigers. Yeah. Awesome, mate. Awesome. You've always lived there? Uh, no, I'm originally from Lafayette, which is about an hour west of here. Mm. Uh, but I've been living in Baton Rouge for uh, almost 40 years now. So, yeah, it feels like home. Wow. So when you were at school, did you always want to be an accountant? Uh, yeah. Um, I wanted to be – originally was to go on to law school and become a tax attorney. Mm. Um and after talking to a few tax attorneys, I found out it really it didn't sound that exciting anymore. Accounting <laughs> sounded, sounded a lot more exciting. Uh, so I pursued the accounting and got the CPA and all that work for Arthur Anderson, was one of the big eight at the time. Um, I had some really good exposure, some good experience with all that. Yeah. So that, that was that. Did you manage to make that decision after leaving school? Well, yeah. I, I had applied to law school and gotten accepted. And then I talked to some, my father wanted me to talk mm -hmm. to some tax lawyers um, just to get some advice about law school. And basically they all, they all kind of felt like if they had to do it all over again, they wouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I had talked to this one gentleman, he was a lawyer and a CPA. He was with one of the big, I forget which accounting firm it was. Yeah. And he said, law school was a total waste of time. He said, get your CPA so you can do, you can't go to tax court, but you can do you can do all the tax planning and avoid going to tax court. Yeah. So anyway, so that, that's sort of that was a fork in the road. I, I picked accounting instead of law. Well, that's that's they're, they're totally opposite, but they both do amazing things when you get good people driving them. So that's fantastic. Yeah. You also, when I was reading up about you, now I understand the word ontology, and you've got here, and I'm looking down an ontological coach. What is that? Yes. Okay. Um, the ontology of language is a discipline that a gentleman by the name of Fernando Flores uh, mm -hmm. developed. He's from Chile. Uh, and ontology broken down from two words, ontos, which is Greek to be an ontology to study of. So the study of being in language. Yeah. Uh, Flores' big claim, well, he's, he has several big claims in the, in the discipline. One of them is that we're linguistic beings in addition to being biological beings. Um, yeah. we have language you cannot put it down i mean let's say you're brain dead yeah. you can't you can't not language you it's there um you, all your experiences of life all your sight sound smell taste touch, everything emotion reactions that all happens in language right but it's intertwined with the biology and how do you know that because have you ever had like you felt embarrassed and your face flushed uh somebody said called you a name or called made an assessment about you and you got triggered you got yeah, so your, your language lives in your biology, right? So we're, we're linguistic and biological beings. We don't have a direct experience of life. Animals do. Every, all of our experiences are interpreted through, our, yeah. through our, um, our narrative. His second one is that language 
is generative. Most people see language as descriptive. You ask me what, you know, what is language? Well, it's what you use to describe things. He's, his claim is that it actually generates reality. And it's from everything that I've seen, it does. I mean, your perception is different than my perception. And you'll look at something and you'll have your story about it. I look at the same thing. I'm going to have a, at least a slightly different story about it. Right. Because we're always going through this. We're all wired with all this or we're programmed with all this good, bad, like it, don't like it, right, wrong, mm. makes sense, doesn't make sense about all kinds of things. We're prejudiced like crazy about all of our likes, dislikes, what makes sense, you know, the whole bit, your lifestyle, what your house is, what kind of car you like to drive, the food you like to eat. Mm. So a lot of choices, a lot of choices are made for you automatically about out of the narrative that drives you that you picked up at some point, either it was handed to you, you saw it and you picked it up with somebody else. <clears throat> so your language generates your reality. It generates your emotions, it generates your mood. And what an ontological coach does is help a person examine that, the, the, the narrative that people uh, are driven by. And a lot of times it's, it, we don't even see it as language anymore. We see it as the way that it is. We see it's, that's, that's the truth. And it's not, it's just some interpretation that you made up. And the ontological coach can help you reinterpret some of those interpretations that have you suffer or mm -hmm. prevent you from being effective so that you can stop suffering or now become more effective. It's been really powerful. I mean, when I was a student of it, it was just amazing. And went on and uh, pursued a, a number of courses and became a certified ontological coach through Newfield Group. And uh, I use it in my consulting. I use it in my family. I use it relationship that's fantastic yeah i think tony robbins says quite succinctly change your uh, language change your outcome and uh exactly and, and i mean you and i know and anyone who's done the studies as a coach know that you're 95 percent subconscious five percent conscious and your your body your brain is just going as it's trained and we can change that uh right how do you see that these days we've, we've come out of a difficult two and a half years with COVID around the world Businesses have changed immensely. Uh, the way people think when they go to make a purchase, the way they shop, the way people conduct their business, some, you know, hybrids, it's either everyone back to the office, some not back to the office, some vice versa. How do you see that now being applied when people are looking at you saying, hi, I need some help with my business, and you're looking at it from an ontology point of view? Well, yeah, COVID changed the, the technology that we were forced to use because of COVID change the way people change the perception. I don't need to go in the office, you know, to do work. I can do it remotely. Um, I don't, you know, so what happened with that is people also developed and I don't want to go in from eight to five. You know, I don't feel like being on somebody else's time schedule. Uh, so that's why you have the big resignation, at least here. Hmm. Uh, a lot of people have resigned. A lot of people have started their own businesses or they just retired. Huge, or they found huge, alternate huge. ways to develop, uh, alternate ways to develop an income, whether it's, uh, online business or trading. A lot of people into Bitcoin trading or, or crypto trading. Uh, so yeah, the whole, it forced a lot of people to do things different, especially like if you lost your job. Yeah. It wasn't a matter of you remoting in. It was a matter of you need to find some other way to, to generate an income. So yeah, it did change. It did change the landscape in the traditional, you get a job, you go to work, you get a paycheck. Um, and the technology that came out of that, like we're having, you're in Australia, I'm in, I'm in Louisiana, we're having a live conversation. That wasn't possible five years ago. Well, that's true. So, Very true. So the technology, 
allows for different interpretations or different distinctions or different moves to be made. And that's very important because the finer the distinction you have or the more powerful distinction you have, the more powerful move you can have. Mm-hmm. Imagine you're in a room, the lights are totally out. You have no idea what's in there. You know, you know where the floor is, so you have that distinction. You're not even sure where the walls are. You don't know if there's furniture there or not furniture there. So can you safely navigate and you don't even know how, the, how big the room is. Is there another door to get out? I don't know. Where's the, where's the door at all to get in or out? Is there only mm. one indoor room, many doors? So how do you navigate that room effectively in, when it's pitch black? I mean, you'd have to be like maybe on all fours or very careful. You couldn't just normally walk across the room. You'd yeah. probably trip over something if it was there, um, hurt yourself, break something, who knows what. So when you turn the lights on, all of a sudden now you can distinguish furniture here, lamp there, door over there, window, whatever, um, that you can now safely navigate the room. Same thing in business, same thing in life. Uh, give you a business example, uh, Excel, the spreadsheet program. Yeah. Um, if you have a very rudimentary experience with it, you know, it's a spreadsheet. You can put some numbers in it. You can do a little bit of stuff with it. But if somebody suddenly shows you the summation button where you can sum up columns across columns, speeds things up. Then they start showing you how you can <clears throat> you can link a cell here from even another page in the workbook. Or they show you how to do a pivot table or how to, uh, you know, do the if so and all this, that kind of stuff. Um, so suddenly uh, Excel becomes this really powerful analytic tool that you can use to analyze big swaths of data as mm. opposed to it's just a spreadsheet you can. So that's what I'm saying with those distinctions so in business, the business owner, as he said, as he, we were talking about uh, before, I think the, the cameras were rolling, is that business owners are generally good at something, good at sales, good at manufacturing, good at construction, good at wholesaling, something. And that's, they've, met, they've generally already made good money for somebody else. So they see that they can do this. They see that they can do this to make money. So why not? I make most of the money for me rather than making somebody else rich. Yeah. And generally, again, they're entrepreneurs, which means they see opportunity, they're optimistic, they're willing to take action, they make things happen, uh, they're, they're driven for results. So they go out and start their own business. So again, they go out and they do what they're doing, they make money, they're generating a, 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 you know, income, and what they need to do to support themselves, because you can't do it all yourself, is to start hiring people. Might hire an administrator, might hire, and you're eventually going to have to hire a bookkeeper, and they might want to hire some salespeople, and who knows what. So you hire this group of people, and again, thinking about it ontologically, you have all these different perspectives coming together, always slight, you know, maybe very different interpretations of the world, how things are supposed to be done. You know, you hire somebody to come in and do your accounting, they have, they're coming in with their perception of what accounting is supposed to look like. You have yours, and if you're not trained in accounting, maybe you don't know as much as they do. And so your expectations, the unspoken uh, expectations on both sides generally show up in terms of conflict. You're not doing it right. Well, I showed you that. You know, I, I gave the report you wanted. What's wrong with it? Well, I don't know how to read it. You know, well, how's that my fault? Anyway, <laughs> so you get these, you get organizations after 10 or 15 years, you get 30, 40, 50 people in there and you don't have any kind of solid, um, what's the word, well-defined procedures and processes that let the business run itself. You have this dysfunctional organization that's blame all over the breakdowns. The owner's kind of tied to it can't take time off, working 80, 100 hours a week, uh, frustrated because you just can't seem to get a second gear, is my thing. So 
how do you fix that? You fix it in language. And in language, you come in and say, okay, where's the dysfunction? And ask the employees, not the owner. The employees know better. 100%. The, so when you ask the employees and they say, well, it's this thing. This thing's always, this, this, this part of the business never worked. Okay, let's get everybody involved in, in here and let's come up with a process procedure in writing in detail that everybody understands. Everybody's going to know their, their part of it. They're nobody else's part of it and how it all works. And we're going to get well, well meshed cogs here. So you get that done and you just eliminate all the dysfunction. And the other thing is to keep the business owner out of going there and managing the minutia, which they're all prone to do because they think it's because they started the business, they own the business, they're the CEO, president of the business, they're the best to manage the business. And they're not, they didn't go to management school, you know, the no. entrepreneurs and the skill set of an entrepreneur versus the skill set of a manager, they're almost polar, polar opposite. You know, the, the, like I said, that the, the the, the entrepreneur likes the mud, the blood, and the beer. The manager doesn't want anything to do with that. They want steady, wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat, methodical, don't interrupt it, don't turn the apple cart over, whereas the entrepreneur is always turning the apple cart over. Yeah. So get the, get the entrepreneur out of the managing the minutia. Go, go be entrepreneur. Go bring business in the door. We'll get the business operating transparently where you have to fool with it anymore, not, not directly. We'll get some dashboards to look at the business from a you know, 10,000, 20,000 foot uh, perspective. You can see what's happening in real time. You can make some corrections if need be. Uh, we'll give you some good interpretations of financial statements every month. We'll eliminate the dysfunction. And a big thing we're going to work with you on is your long-term strategic planning. Going to help you navigate the business into the future that you want rather than whatever future the forces that are going to be coming at your business, where it's going to push your business, maybe where you don't want it to, to go. I think it was uh, Grant, uh, not Grant Cardone, uh, Richard Branson turned around and said, you know, he said, I don't know how to do most of the stuff in my companies. He said, so you hire someone who does. Yeah. He said, I'm the face. I might be the ideas person, but then I find someone who can implement the idea. My mum and yeah. dad ran pubs in Australia. <clears throat> and exactly what you were talking about. Dad was a brilliant publican, great in front of customers, clean, really nice beer. Everything was lovely. And mum was the systems person. The yin and the yang. Without one, the other didn't function. Exactly. Mum will tell you that. Dad wouldn't. <laughs> but exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Uh, and we were talking about creatives before and, and people who are very, very good at one thing but not at the other. And creatives especially, you don't, you don't put a chef in charge of a restaurant. You put him in charge of the kitchen, even if he owns right. the place. Because most right. chefs go broke because right. that isn't their skill set. <clears throat> when, you, when you look at businesses now and you see people who are full of passion, they've seen what the boss can do and they've decided, I'm going to open my own business or I'm going to buy a medium business and I'm, I can really make this go because I know how to make widgets. But they don't know the rest of it. How important is it, especially for a new entrepreneur or a new business owner, to get the systems right rather than just go with your passion. And, and it could be brilliant and you could sell heaps. And then the accountant turns around and says, you haven't made any money. Right. And he had no idea or she had no idea. Right. I mean, it's, 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 it's crucial to have good processes, good procedures uh, in place. It's also crucial to have a good team. And to have a good team, they have to know they can trust you. 
as well as you have to be able to trust them. And that's one of the biggest complaints I have when I start working with new clients is I, I interview, you know, give me some names if some if your employees that you trust, key employees, or if the company's big enough, maybe a few customers, maybe a couple of vendors. And I just want to do an oral identity of, you know, how you're perceived in this game. Just nothing in writing, nothing recorded, but I'll take notes. And the two biggest, uh, the two biggest assessments to come back is we don't trust him and he's a bad manager or she's a bad manager. Yeah. And, you know, so again, it's like, and the, the, the reaction of the owner is like, what do you mean they don't trust me? I'm paying them, aren't I? Well, yeah, you are, but you know, that's just transactional. They don't yes. get that you care about them because that's what, that's how they always, they always talk about. I don't trust them. They don't care about me. All they care about is their business. And once they've been successful, they, they want to make more money. They want to make more sales. Mm. They want to expand the territory, but they don't care about my, my family. They don't care about my career. They don't care about my position here. Um, you know, every, everything we do here is for them. So, you know, so they can go, go be rich and shameless, but nothing about taking care of the team. So if you really want to have a committed, devoted, loyal, high, high achieving team, you're going to have to get them to trust you. And you're going to have to do that by showing that you're trustworthy. And that takes coaching. Because, again, the whole thing of the narrative that we live in, we can't see our narrative. Because it's there so much, we don't even notice it. True. And even when we do notice it, we say, oh, that's just, that's just the way it is. That's the truth. That's reality. And it's not. It's just your interpretation. So... Good business owners, in other words, for them to transition to become more trustworthy, they yep. need a coach. Why do you need a I coach? Do. Why do, Why does the world, I mean, the high school, professional, college, all the athletes, they all have coaches. Right, Tiger Woods, they have, all the best. Why, why, yeah, why do you, why do they have coaches? coaches? Why? Yeah. Because they can't see themselves perform. That's why. You can't see this. Everybody else can, but you can't see this going on, right? You're not aware. You're not aware of all the things that drive you pretty much 24 hours a day. Uh, you don't have, you don't see how your choices are already made for you. Yeah. Um, you don't see what's the conversations that are having you suffer, that are having you show up as untrustworthy. And it's personal. Sorry. No, that's okay. Well, I'm just, uh, when you were talking there before about trust, I spoke to a client the other week. And we're talking about how this work from home phenomena has made a lot of managers treat people like numbers because mm -hmm. they're not in front of them. They're not talking over the cooler. How did you, what'd you do in the weekend? So, right. and then they've come back to the office and they're treating them the same. And thus the great resignation because people yeah. want more. How do you get through to a manager? And I've seen this firsthand who is treating people like numbers and you're their coach and you can see what's happening. He thinks or she thinks she knows everything because it's her business or she's the manager or the, or the general manager or whatever. And they really don't. And they really are treating people like a number, not like a person. I mean, you've had plenty of experience. What do you do when you come up against that? Well, <clears throat> A lot of it depends on how open or how willing they are to uh, be more self-aware, to uh, hear a different interpretation. If they're, you know, all arrogant and I know all this and they don't know anything and you need to fix these stupid people, not much. I can't coach you if you don't want to be coached, True. right? You can't teach anybody who doesn't want to learn. So if I show up with, 
I know this already. There's nothing for you to teach me here. You're wasting my time. You're right. You're wasting my time too. If somebody, typically what I, what people I work with, when they come to me, they've been suffering a bit. And generally it's over, over a period of years about they're frustrated with the business. They just don't understand why they can't, why the thing can't gel. They're having trouble get, getting their business to the next level. They all talk about, I want to take my business to the next level. You know, I want to be able to manage by the numbers. I want to do strategic planning, but they never do any of that. True. Why? Because they're sitting out there, they're managing minutiae, putting out fires, running around, running, doing things that they're really not trained to do and they don't do well anyway. And when they do that, what they're teaching, what they're teaching their employees, you can't do it either. I don't trust you to do it well. And so what you what you cultivate is a is a um whatever, a culture, an organization of people who aren't willing to do the extra, take the extra step or step up or think outside of the box or, you know, take some initiative because it probably won't be what the boss wanted. You know, the old Robert De Niro thing from Casino, there's the right way, the wrong way, my way, you know. And, and I've seen people do things successfully and the boss says, well, why'd you do it that way? I'd have done it like this. Who cares? <laughs> it accomplished true. what you wanted to have done. So... Yeah, you have to get the owner out of the minutiae. Just it's crucial because without doing that, number one, the owner's not free to go get business, and number two, you're gonna just keep having this culture of people who aren't willing to step up and get things done. You're gonna have a you're gonna have a business that's always dependent on the on the owner, and that's why a lot of these people. Yeah, and that's why they can't take a vacation for two weeks or three weeks. The place will fall apart without them. Nobody's used to accomplishing anything without the boss stepping in to fix it. I'm listening to that and listening to a client of mine who's talking about he's seeing a business happen exactly that way. It's yeah. a big actual corporate business and this one of the small side businesses has got a manager very, very much that way. The culture is was awesome is going downhill because they're too scared to do it any other way, even though they know it's going to work. They just say, okay, no worries. They don't care. I'm going to get paid anyway. I'll just do it his way and watch it fail. Yeah. Which is, is very sad, but it's a culture that, that he's created. Right. And it's this, the, the line that George Carlin had one of his bits sticks with me. And I, I bring it up all the time. People these days, most people work just hard enough to not get fired and make just enough money not to quit. And yeah, true. Man, and man, is that widespread, especially in these businesses where they don't get that the whoever they report to, whoever owns the place, um, cares about. It. If if I mean trust is essential to all human interaction. And again, if you're working someplace getting a paycheck, you have there's some a certain amount of trust in certain domains of action. But in terms of trust, like my concerns are your concerns, you know, so you're not gonna you're not gonna get the people who are willing to like really, you know, step up, work late, give it an extra effort, think outside the box, take initiative. Be loyal and not get hired away by the competition. And that's the stuff owners moan about. No, my best employees always get hired away by my uh, competition. Why is that? What, what's wrong with the culture here that they're willing to take somebody else's a few dollars more and they're gone? How do what's you... missing? Yeah. Go ahead. No, that's okay. It's, it's just the, uh, the old internet's dropping in and out a little bit as it does from time to time. What do you say when someone says, I've put all the structures and all the processes in place? But it's still not working, Kerry. What am I doing wrong? How do you approach well, that? Because a lot of people, it, they, they do do it. Yeah, if you have procedures and systems and everything else in place and there's still some breakdowns, there's still some 
dysfunction, then you don't have all the procedures you need. Something's missing. That yeah. or the owner's still not letting the business run itself. Yeah. You know, or you or you maybe have the wrong people. I mean, it, I can't say it's this or that. Generally, it's a it's a matter of you don't have the right procedures or you don't have enough procedures. There's something missing. And sometimes you just have people who just, you know, they don't really care. Uh, and, and that could be because that's the culture you created before. You have people who are just there, you know, work just hard enough not to get fired and just enough not to get not to quit. So sometimes a lot of times you have to reevaluate the personnel and you want you want I mean you want people to come into your work that want to work for you or want to work for your business because it's bigger than who they are. And you have to be a business owner that you want something bigger than it's just about you. You know, you want people to have some kind of vision. You want to be a leader and what is a leader? A leader has followers and what kind of what, what makes a leader have followers generally it's because they have some vision that's bigger than them that enlists or enrolls seduces other people that they want to come follow with. Yeah. And that's that, you know, entrepreneurs have that capacity they have because they see things they see possibilities, but when they make it just about them. You know, you don't care about me. A lot, a lot of people also fail when I do some coaching with people. They have, now, I've been in sales all my life. So policies, procedures, and rules are something we hate. We, we you know, a good salesperson hates all that uh, because right. it, we, we look at it as a, it's a restriction on what we can do. But with Adam, we can't do what we do. So, you know, we see that. Well, yeah, it's one thing. Salespeople hate policy. Like you can only turn in so much for entertainment. You can only have so many miles getting reimbursed. Mm. You have your territory, you can sell these. Those are restrictive. But having good procedures in terms of, I don't know, when you place your sales order yeah. and you know, get the sales delivered, you get paid, the customer gets billed. That they like that. They like that. They hate the constrictive stuff. Who doesn't? You know? How how important is it? And I think this is very important for people to have their own personal procedures and processes to get them through the day. I mean, one of the things I coach people is you must have an hour a day where you don't answer a phone, where you're totally focused. You have an hour to clean your email up. That's it. Now in the morning, maybe an hour in the afternoon. And people said to me, you're mad. I've got to, I've got to. I said, no. I said, no, no meetings. No, nothing. You're just an hour of that's it. I said, you do that that power hour, you'll find that the rest of your day will flow. Yeah. And I said, it can be done in the car. It can be done at any time of the day. You pick the hour. For people who are creatives and people who are passionate and love to get out there, how important is it for them to have a personal process that gives them that little bit of structure, like the skeleton of their day? Well, yeah, um, you need to have some focus I mean, it's one thing to be creative and come up with all these ideas, but you need some, you need to be rigorous in terms of you can't do that in a vacuum. You know, you're going to require money. You're going to require sales. You're going to require uh, a business structure. You're going to require all that stuff. So have all that set up and then you can go do your creative stuff in a vacuum to where you don't have to worry about managing the business, but you're going to have to get the business up and run, running. You're going to have to get the people that are going to run it for you. That's going to give you the time to go do your creative stuff so they can sell it for you or they can market for you, they, mm. whatever, collect the money, keep things going. Um, I mean, it's, it's an ideal. I mean, your top artists, I mean, think about it. They don't, 
to worry about bookkeeping or accounting or sales or they do their art and yeah, they'll show up at the, at the gallery showings and stuff like that and talk to potential buyers and whatever, but they're, they're off doing creative stuff. I mean, I mean, the movie people, think about it, movie people, music people, art people, they don't fool, they don't understand any of that stuff. They don't want anything to do with that. So yeah, so if you're a creative type, um, be creative, but you need to have some structure that's going to support you in being creative. With, uh, as we were talking about the great resignation and people now are starting to open up their own businesses, work from home or whatever, or buy a small business. Post-COVID and in this new world, whatever it's going to look like, because it's nothing like the old and I don't think it's even settled itself down yet. What's the best piece of advice you give somebody who hasn't run a business before and just wants to get it right early? Well, the big question I always ask everybody, and you know, this is how you design the future. Hmm. You, know, you can either design the future or somebody else will design it for you. When yeah. I say somebody else, life will design it for you. The big question you need to ask yourself, work on, refine it, write it down, get really crystal clear on is what's going to make you satisfied? What do you want to be satisfied? Because, and I had a mentor a long time ago. He asked me the question. He said, you want to know the secret of life? I said, yeah, what is that? He goes, get exactly what you want get ultimate satisfaction yeah. the secret to that is being clear on what you want first but if you just go out there and say yeah you know i want more money okay how much more money how are you gonna you know if you want if you want your your business to you know whatever generate a million dollars net income every year how are you gonna do that specifically um so you have to get specific about what is going to take to make you satisfied so you can pursue that Rather than some kind of vague, I just want more, better, different. And the really, the really elusive one is, I just want to be happy. You know, in America, I think we're crazy about the whole happy thing. It's in the it's in the Declaration of Independence, pursuit of happiness. So everybody, I'm just not happy. I'm, you know, I'm waiting for happy to find me. I, I just don't know where to look for happy. Well, happy <laughs> is just a happy is a little superficial emotion that happens on and off all day. Yeah. It's not a permanent state of being. Satisfaction is much deeper, more lasting, much more rewarding place to work toward. And you, you can do that. I mean, you can make being satisfied a process. Being happy, trying to pursue happy, you're going to be disappointed a lot. And so if, you, if you're starting a business, you're buying a business, be real clear about what it's going to take to satisfy you. And be willing to know you don't know everything. You're going to get kicked in the teeth more times than you thought you were going to. It's going to be hard. You're going to have to work a lot at first to get it yeah. off the ground. And once you get off the ground, get, get out of the way. Have the people in the place that can run it. Just get out of the way and go do what you do best, which is bring in business. With the existing businesses you go and coach, especially people who have uh, been in them a long time, what's, is there a common mistake you see that pop up a lot? Wait, say the first part again. But for the existing businesses you've been in coached, especially the managers and the owners. Is there a common mistake you see come up a lot with them? Yeah, you're talking about managers and owners. Yeah. What's, the, what's the common thing I see with them? Uh, a lot of it is, uh, again, because they think they're the boss, because they think they're in management, mm. because they own the place, they know best how to do it, and they don't. It's, yeah. it, generally, it's a lot of arrogance. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of arrogance. I should know because I'm, because I'm a manager, because I'm the boss, I'm supposed to know. no. True. You know, you're not supposed to know. So when you can kind of show them a reflection of kind of what, give them an idea of what this looked like because everybody else can see it. It's the best moves to learn in. 
What are the best moves to learn in? Humiliation and shame. So when you can show them like, this is what everybody else sees about you and you look kind of awkward and goofy and kind of arrogant and authoritarian and it's kind of embarrassing and it's kind of humiliating. So it gives them the incentive to want to change and gives them the incentive to want to learn to, to be different. So as we start to wind up today, we got some very, very, two very important questions I like to ask my guests. Sure. What's your favorite restaurant where you live? Um, uh, I, that's a little French restaurant. I'm trying to think of the name right off the top of my head. And you asked me, and the name just flew right out of my head. There's a little French restaurant not far from here. And it's people yep. from France who actually cook the French food. Um, it's wonderful. Uh, Do you have I, a I favorite it. dish? Um, not really. Uh, it's a lot of different, you know, a lot of different <laughs> things they, they do over there. And they change the menu all the time. Well, that's I just cool. like the whole genuine French cuisine thing. So if I booked your table there with four other people, who would you invite? Um, Anyone in the world. Anyone in the world. Uh, hmm, that's a good question. I'd probably invite uh, a good friend of mine, Chalmers Brothers. He's also an ontological coach. He's, yep. he's much bigger. He's always good conversation to have. Uh, I'd probably invite... Um, I'd probably invite my son. Yeah. Because he's a he's he's always a lively conversationalist. <laughs> um and um four people. Hmm. I, I'd probably invite uh, one of my brothers and one of my sisters. Yeah. Uh we're really we're we're really close. That's um, awesome. Yeah, I always look forward to having sit down having meal times and conversations with them. It's fantastic you know. if you've got a close family that you can sit down and have a good chat with. Right. Especially if you're in business. Yeah. You need someone to vent. You need someone to talk. Um, yeah. And a lot of people, a lot of people well, say a lot. There's some business owners say, oh, yeah, we're like family here. No, you're not. <laughs> There's a group no, of business not. people in our area that have what they call the private boardroom. And they all go and sit and meet four times a year. And it's totally confidential and they can bring any issue from their business, table it, and everyone in the boardroom are allowed to say anything they like mm. in a supportive way. It's a, it's a what? In a, in a supportive way. In other words, oh, I have an issue way. around okay. distribution, cash flow, people. Right. And they're all incredibly successful. But they said, as one gentleman told me, he said, I can't tell you who's in the boardroom because that's part of the agreement. He said, but in the boardroom, I get honesty, not yeah. at work. Right. So he said, it's like you and your family. You're so blessed to be able to sit around with your family and have a good old conversation. Uh, I think anyone in business needs to be able to do the same as well. So, you know, that's fantastic. You're blessed in having that. Before we wrap up, how do people get in touch with you, Kerry? Uh, they can email me. It's Kerry, C-A-R-Y, at cfoconsulting.co.com. Yep. Uh, I have a website, uh, strategicbusinessadvisorsplural.org, O-R-G. Uh, you can look me up on, on uh, LinkedIn. I don't yep. know if there are any other Kerry Prejeans on LinkedIn, um, you know. Yeah, the, the website, email, and, and uh LinkedIn, probably the best ways. 
Fantastic, mate. Look, I know everyone that's going to be listening to this, and this does go around the world. So everything you've spoken about, it doesn't matter if you're in France, Italy, Australia, America, the UK, everything you've spoken about applies. Uh, anyone yeah. in business is going to get a lot out of what you said today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, yes, thank, thank you, you again. And as I'm we say it. at the end of all of our podcasts, have a groovy day. <laughs>